Hello, and welcome to a- another episode of Sequel Decay. I am Chris Ranta, and with me is Stefan Salehio. Hello. And this week, we are talking about... The MCU. Again. Fuck. Again. Fuck. So we're covering the whole MCU, right? Run from it. No. God, no. <laughs> we're, uh... Come on, let's cover the whole MCU. Do it, I coward. Would actually rather strangle myself to death. Fuck. Okay, so this week we are covering Spider-Man. We are going to be covering Spider-Man for the next four episodes. Boy, Boy. do I crave death. Some of you are probably wondering, well, why the fuck are you guys releasing two episodes in a week? And that's because we wanted to capitalize on views. Mainly, yeah. Yeah, Um, mainly, yeah. Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna sugarcoat it, guys. We just wanted to capitalize on views. And Far From Home came out on a Tuesday for some reason? Yeah, it came out on a Tuesday, and we figured, well, if we get this episode up early, it means we get hit. So our incredible Evil Dead episode will be the Sacrificial Lamb. Unfortunately. But please, please go listen to our Evil Dead episode. It's so fucking good. We had a great guest on with Kevin Martin. Mm-hmm. Would not, you recommend it? Not the Team Canada curler, but no, no, not him, <laughs> not him. But definitely talk about things that only Canadians are going to understand. <laughs> so we're in St. Louis, finally. Oh yeah, yep. The Show Me State. Yep, that's what they call it, right? Yep. We. Well, anyway, I'm living in a shack in East Kansas City, so this is fun. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this week we're going to cover Spider-Man: Homecoming and Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yep. And then we're eventually going to work our way into the Sam Raimi movies. Then we're going to do the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and then we will cover Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The order in which these will be released will be determined later on, because, you know, we don't give a shit. Not really, no. We're kind of playing it by ear. However, we're not going to do Venom, because we know a sequel's coming, so we're just going to wait for the sequel and then just do a full-on sequel to for that, because that makes the most sense. Also, it wouldn't really fit with any of the other ones. Like, the closest, we were originally going to do it with Spider-Verse... Because they're both kind of spin-offs. Yeah. But they don't actually really have much in common. No, not really. And also, again... Other than they were both made by Sony. Yeah, and they show, like, both the best and worst of Sony still having the rights. And that would have been an interesting discussion, but unfortunately they're making a sequel to Venom, so... Can't do that! Nope. Alright, so, Stefan, why don't you tell us a little bit about Spider-Man Homecoming? So, after Marvel Studios slash Disney negotiated themselves into a little power-sharing agreement or whatever the fuck with Sony. Uh, They got the rights back to use the character of Spider-Man, and they cast English actor Tom Holland in the role, and he originally appeared in Captain America Civil War, but his first solo movie was Spider-Man Homecoming, which was released in 2017 and was directed by John Watts and written by six people, including Watts. Yeah, two of those people worked on the Vacation remake, actually. That's oh, that's very true. Uh, and it was very awful. <laughs> Boy, I look the, forward to that episode. Spoiler alert, this movie is better than the Vacation remake. Who knew? It stars Tom Holland, as well as Michael Keaton, John Favreau, Zendaya, Donald Glover, Marissa Tomei, and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, and Hannibal Burris. And Hannibal Burris in a couple very short scenes uh, that are probably the best performance of the movie because he sounds like he's mostly asleep (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it's peak it's peak Hannibal Burris so in the movie Peter Parker is already an established hero and he's kind of waiting in the wings to be an Avenger after the events of Civil War he's not quite getting the mentorship he wants from Iron Man so he kind of seeks out his own uh way to prove himself that kind of comes in the form of a kind of scrap scavenger named um, adrian tombs who turns into a alien technology 
turned weapon arm dealer. A complicated but accurate way of putting it. Yeah, most of the movie is them going head-to-head more or less and Peter struggling to live out his existence in high school. So, Stefan, what'd you think of the movie? Okay, so I'm a massive Spider-Man fan. Uh, Spider-Man's easily my favorite fictional character by far. Like, I don't know that any property means as much to me as Spider-Man. But most of the movies to this point, like even the ones that are usually considered good, like the first two Raimi ones, Mm -hmm. I'm just not that huge a fan of. I don't think they're a super good representation of the character, but we'll get into that later. Homecoming is the first Spider-Man centric movie that I think really captures that for me. I really like this movie. Okay. I, I don't I don't think it's a perfect movie. I have I have some problems with it, but overall I think it's my second favorite Spider-Man movie. Chris, what do you think of Homecoming? Jesus Christ, you're so close. Um <laughs> Okay, so when I saw this initially, because I saw this a couple years ago in theaters, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was that great. I was just kind of on the, yeah, whatever. But I think at this point, like, they had already rebooted Spider-Man the once already. This was the second time they were rebooting the character. The MCU was really losing its charm on me. So I was just kind of in that I don't give a fuck mood with the MCU. And in a very jaded way. And I think that did kind of shadow a lot of how I felt about the movie. So after I watched it again in light of Far From Home, I think it's my third favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. It's not my favorite live-action Spider-Man movie. We'll get into that in a future episode. It's certainly not my favorite Spider-Man movie. We'll get into that in a future episode. But I think that you're right. Like, it's probably the one that best represents, you know, the comic version of Spider-Man and the Spider-Man that we've all grown to love. Yeah, I I really enjoy the movie. Why don't we talk about what this movie did right? Okay, so uh, I think the first one that it did right, and it's not necessarily this movie because this wasn't his first appearance as Spider-Man, but Tom Holland's a really good choice. Yeah, no, Tom Holland's great. Like, he's a great Peter Parker, and he's an even better Spider-Man because he's really good at being quippy, but he's also good at being an awkward high school kid. And I think he's in, what, his 20s, I think? Uh, At this point, he's either 19 or, like, just 20. And okay. he's playing a 15-year-old, but, like, he's, he's a he's a very young-looking 19 a, or 20-year-old. He's a young-looking guy, and he's also really good at capturing a lot of the mannerisms and tics of a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like... I didn't want to compare these to the old movies, but it doesn't feel like, say, Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, where you're sitting there going, there is no fucking way either of these pricks are in <laughs> high school. Yeah, no kidding. And he... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they put in the water at British acting schools, but like for an English actor, he's really good at capturing that like very specific New York accent. Too. Yeah, he really <laughs> is. And that was another thing I wanted to bring up as far as things that this movie got really, really right, is that I think this is the only Spider-Man movie that really captures that boy from Queens thing really well, mm-hmm. because I really got a sense of the environment in this movie. And I don't think any of the other Spider-Man movies leading up to this did. Yeah. Like, in any of them, it could, they could have taken place fucking anywhere. They could have taken place in the middle of buttfuck nowhere for all I cared. But in this one, they really they really put in the work to make sure, like, that Queens was a huge part of his fucking identity. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, he's got the Queen's accent and everything. Well, not only that, but also a lot of the dynamics he has with the characters that he interacts with. Like, even the guy at the sandwich shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. The... Like, you really get, like, the Queen's vibe from, oh, like, the sets, it's the like... characters. Like, it's people rich. People from all walks of life. Oh, yeah, no, like, it's rich in his blood. It's rich in his identity. Peter's and... a Mets fan. God bless him. Oh, God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good boy. <laughs> Such a good boy. I, okay, so... We're not going to talk about the Raimi ones, but just as a quick side note, in that movie, it's implied that Peter is a Yankees fan because Uncle Ben has a Yankees cap in a photo. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Peter is a Mets fan through and through. <laughs> Garbage. But anyway, yeah, it's like you're saying, like, even in the Raimi movies, like, the one scene that it's even really brought up that I can remember is, like, the subway scene where it's, like, supposed to be a scene of New York solidarity, which probably a post 9-11 mandate. But uh, in this one, it's, like, baked into the identity of the movie. I mean, I don't really... I don't fault the movies for it. I was going to say, I don't really see that scene as a post-9-11 mandate, though, but we'll talk about that later. It's... Well, well, I mean, I I don't even know the the specific date, so that might not even add up to anything. No, no, I mean, Spider-Man 2 came out in 2004. Okay, And last I checked, 9-11 happened in 2001. You know, I think you're going to have to double-check that. I'm uh, sorry. Fuck. That's a little, uh, fu- hold, hold I'm a little on, fuzzy on. on the details. Let me just double-check real quickly here, okay? Yeah, we'll, it's we'll not be... like we have to hear about it every fucking year. No, no, no. We'll be right back after this. I'm just going to double-check here. All right, so um, after further analysis, uh, we had to check multiple sources for this, from mm. Wikipedia to actually academic scholars, yep. right? Yep. Yes, in fact, it happened in 2001. You know, you learn something every day. Fuck yeah. High five. Beyond Tom Holland, who we've established does a great job, like he's like he's like the perfect conception of what I think Spider Man sh- as a live action character should be, especially a Spider Man of that at that point in his life. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we'll talk about it later, but I I I like and dislike different aspects of the ones that came before. D- uh, Tom Holland is the perfect synthesis. What one thing we can maybe talk into later is that uh, get into later is that um it's kind of in the popular lexicon or whatever that spider-man is a teenage superhero yeah when in the comics at least the main the main comic line he's only in high school for 15 20 issues yeah something like that he's not actually in high school for that long he goes into college like right after but that was one thing i really liked about the raimi movies but that's true yeah the raimi movies don't stick around in high school at all uh and the amazing spider-man movies might as well not (laughs) because he's barely in school uh, from what I remember, anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't even think he ever goes to school at any point. Yeah. But, like, the Ultimate Spider-Man comic reboot and, like, pretty much every cartoon series, except, I think, the 90s one, uh, have him in high school. I think that and college are, like, his strongest, like, points narrative-wise. Because, mm-hmm. like, teenage superheroes are already, like, a, a concept that's ripe for ex- exploitation. And uh, I think going the route that they did with this one kind of... Almost having, like, a John Hughes route with it at some points. Like, they even have the Ferris Bueller, like, yeah, rip-off scene, have, <laughs> which yeah. is great. Um, I think that's a that was a really good way to put it. But anyway, aside from Tom Holland, like, I think this movie is generally, like, well cast. And we'll get to the villain later in a little bit. But uh, I think Jacob Batalon is Ned Leeds is pretty... He's a fun, he's a fun character. Ned is my favorite, like, side character in Peter's life. Yeah. In, I, I would say in both of these movies. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, this isn't, or this isn't an origin story, thank fucking God. Yes, that's one thing we should talk about. This isn't an origin story, they don't bring up Uncle Ben. Like, fuck. Yeah, like, we didn't need to see that again. They never say whatsoever, with great power comes great responsibility. 
Even though I'd say that's the central thesis for both of these movies. Yeah. I think you're 100% on with that. Uh, and uh, with Jacob Badalon, like, I think I think it makes sense to have his character of Ned Leeds, like, discover Peter's identity and be as kind of integral, central to the story as he is because, like, he does serve as that little exposition piece at the beginning. Like, just, just in case you're, like, the one person who doesn't know the Spider-Man origin. Yeah. In which case, congratulations on waking up from your 30-year coma. Why the fuck are you watching this? Yeah, go, go hug Christ. your family. Go reconnect with society. It's a wonderful world. We're it's all gonna die. So in a lot much of better years. than us. <laughs> I think also he was firm to be like an appealing, funny character, and he very much is that. Yeah, he's like that, he's that exuberant foil to the more introverted Peter. Yeah, he he's my favorite side character in Peter's life because he's the one that has the most vibrant personality. He's the one where I can actually pick out character traits from him, and I can go. Oh yeah, like he's really funny, he's very nerdy, he's really fanboyish when he's trying to when he finds out that Peter's Spider-Man. Yes. And there's there's so much about him that's really charming and really funny. Like my favorite scene in the whole movie, both when I saw it in theaters for the first time and now, is when he's in the fucking computer lab during homecoming dance. And he, <laughs> What are you doing? Uh I'm watching porn. <laughs> like that's like just that delivery of that line is great it feels so in character for him it's he's a really well-written character and i think that brings me to my first problem with this movie and i think my biggest problem with this movie it's also a problem i have with far from home more so with far from home but definitely with this as well is that i find that the other kids aren't that interesting I can't really pick out any discernible traits from any of the other kids. Like, Liz is just the love interest. Liz is not that interesting. She's more interesting as as the plot device that she is later in Homecoming, which we'll get to when we talk about Oh, yeah, Michael no, she's, she's basically just a plot device at that point. Um, slash love interest. Um, Zendaya is basically just there to say a couple things as MJ. In the first movie, yes. In the first movie, yes. In the second movie, you get more from her. A little bit more, but I don't think they fleshed her out enough yet. I I mean, I don't think she's a fully formed character or anything, but I think think, think I've picked out enough traits from her that, like, I I, I have a a good enough sense of who she is. Yeah, and then everyone else is just kind of the same, like, that quippy kid. Yeah. Like, I noticed that more in Far From Home. I think the only one who doesn't fit that mold is uh, Flash Thompson, but only because he's kind of like a one-note dickhead. Which, yeah. Yeah, Flash Tom... Well, he he fits that mold in Far From Home, I think. But I yeah. think in this one, he's just kind of one-note dickhead for but sure. You, but you, you, you do learn a little bit about him in Far From Home, which maybe they'll develop in more movies. But I as of hope right now, so. he's kind of underdeveloped. I feel like... Well, I feel like they're really wasting a really talented actor. Tony Revolori is really good. Oh my fucking god, yeah. Um, he's the same guy who played the kid in Grand Blue Best Hotel. Fantastic movie. Watch Grand Budapest Hotel instead of either of these movies. <laughs> that, that's it for our episode. We're done. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us at the Wes Anderson Variety Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like that 18 and a half minutes of Spider-Man and 30 seconds of Grand Budapest Hotel. Whee! Um, no, but, like, I don't know. It, it just bothers me that, you know, like, they do so much with Ned. And, I mean, they did a great job with Peter. Mm-hmm. but I wish that they did more with the other kids, especially since they do play a huge part in certain scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really feel anything during the Washington Monument scene with those kids. I mean, I knew Spider-Man was going to save them, obviously. I think but... I was more into that for what the cool thing that Spider-Man was going to do, just because, like, one of the coolest things about Spider-Man is how 
most of his heroics is based around problem solving. Oh yeah, like all the sequence or all the moments in that sequence involving Spider-Man were great. But anytime it cut back to the kids and going, these are the stakes, it's like, eh. Except Ned, because Ned's Except Ned. Boy. Ned should be protected at all costs. But, like, the rest of the kids I felt nothing for. And I think for a movie to throw some stakes on those on the rest of those kids in a scene like that, where they haven't really fleshed them out that much, feels kind of disappointing. But, you know, whatever. It's more disappointing and far from home, and I'll talk about that later. Okay, so say what you will about, like, the kids as supporting characters, but there's some pretty good, like, kind of short adult performances. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Donald Glover is in it for, like, 30 seconds. Uh, Martin Starr, I think is his name, yeah. is, the, is the teacher. He's, yeah, he's, he's got in a lot of Judd Apatow movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has the one line where it's like, I'm glad we didn't lose a single kid. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> and you get more of him in the next movie, but I think his, that's his funniest line in either movie. I think he's funnier in this movie than he was in Far From Home. In Far From Home, I think he got a little overexposed. Yeah, I think but, so. Uh, and then you also have Hannibal Burris. Who's <laughs> <laughs> basically just reprising his role from the Eric Andre show. Uh, like, I don't think I've mentioned on the show yet like how much I love the Eric Andre show and how much I love Hannibal Burris. Oh, yeah. Which we do the one-off on the Eric Andre show. Oh, can we? Yep, yep, <laughs> yes. I have a lot to say about that. Oh, I love the Eric Andre show. But, uh, yeah, he's fucking brilliant in this movie. Oh, yeah, because he's <laughs> basically just, it, it's just Hannibal Burris playing himself. Nobody else could have said those lines. Nobody, no, no, God, no. God, and I also love um, the little moments when Chris Evans plays Captain America in those fucking training videos. Those also are absolutely brilliant. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got detention. <laughs> like, those those videos are great. Robert Downey Jr. is terrific in this movie. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I was kind of... I, I uh, think this is the best... Okay, so, like, beyond, like, Endgame and, I would say, the first Iron Man and maybe the third one... Maybe I, Civil War? No, I don't think they do a lot with this character in Civil War. Oh, like, I disagree. <laughs> um, I was going to say, like, this is the most that they've advanced his character... In the MCU, beyond, like, Endgame and the first Iron Man and stuff. I would still throw Civil War in there. Oh, God, no. Well, we're not talking about Civil War. Just yeah. know, viewers, that I am right. Just know that I'm fucking... Fuck you. I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. I was kind of worried when they announced him, because it was like, oh, fuck, right after Civil War, we're gonna have another Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans fighting for the soul of Spider-Man, and it's gonna fucking suck, and then it's like, oh no, Robert Downey Jr.'s like barely in it, but he's really good when he's in it. <laughs> well, I was more worried that they were just gonna kind of shoehorn him in, mm -hmm. but they do a really good job at making sure, like, no, he is, like, I love how they kind of treat him like he's kind of like a father figure for Peter at this point. Yeah. And it works really well, and it really helps with uh, Peter's character arc in this movie, and also in the next one. Definitely in the next one. Yeah, definitely in the next but, one. But uh, he's, I think this, these are some of his best scenes as Iron Man. Oh, well, that's what I mean. Like, Just, these are some I, of his best moments as Iron Man. These are some of the best moments of Tony as a character. Because mm -hmm. I, I find that in Civil War, his arc seems a little redundant. But we can it, talk it, about it does, that. It does hit on a lot of the same beats as Ultron. That's but, what I'm saying, yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. Marissa Tomei's Aunt May was a strange choice. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have a really have a problem with it. It's no. just very much something that very kind of out of left field. I don't really I, I again I have like zero problem with it. And she's she's fine. Yeah, no, she's really decent in this movie. Yeah. So I don't know if she needs any more elaborating on, but Marissa, I don't know, like Marissa Tomei's a good Aunt May, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean 
I don't think Aunt May necessarily needs to be a 90-year-old fossil who just won't fucking die already, but... No, and I mean, she's really good in this movie. She's barely in it. She barely makes much of an impact, but I think that's more on the writing and that's less on her. Yeah, she's barely in the next one, too. Which is too bad, because the Peter and Aunt May dynamic is probably one of the best things about the character. It is actually really solid, I yeah. think that's actually one thing the Raimi movies do quite a bit better. But as it stands, like, I like her as May. Yeah, uh, I like there's her as no, May. There's no reason she and, can't be young and hot. And I, but. <laughs> and I do like the dynamic that Peter and May have in these movies, yeah, yeah, even yeah. if it's barely there. It reminds me a bit of the dynamic uh, in uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, where May was... Not young per se, but like old enough that she was that she could she could be very kind of snarky and on the level of the kids. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Michael Keaton now. Yes, let's talk about Michael Keaton. Okay, so I, I'm so here for the Michael Keaton Renaissance that has basically been in our cultural zeitgeist since Birdman came out. Mm-hmm. Fucking love it so much, and I'm so glad he got to play a villain in a Marvel movie because yeah. he is fucking fantastic oh, in this <laughs> world's changing boys time we change with it oh that like, was only a trailer line too no time, it was in the movie no he says the world is changing boys but he doesn't say time we change with it oh yeah right no i guess i watched this movie this morning I, I yeah i should have remembered that because i watched <laughs> it this afternoon yeah anyway um no he's terrific in this movie he is so menacing and he is so charming and he is everything that Michael Keaton should be and I love it so fucking much. Yeah, I like I love what they did with the vulture. Like mm-hmm. we can talk about like philosophy and theme wise, but like even appearance wise cuz in the comics like a lot of Spider-Man's villains like have a very silver age design. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to make a old man in like a green jumpsuit with wings on it and a white fur boa and uh, it bears repeating like an old fucking man adrian tombs in the comics is like 90 plus years old michael keaton is not 90 michael keaton is not 90 so they did change that but they made that look intimidating like this like fucking black like pilot's mask with these tiny little green dots Mm -hmm. that are completely expressionless this kind of mechanical intimidating suit when I saw that in the trailers, I was I was legitimately freaked out for a second. Like, wow, they really made the Green Goblin scary. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I'll get you again, Spider Man. <laughs> um, I want to. Okay, so this was around the point when everyone was starting to kind of catch on that there's a lot of repetitive and certain issues that the MCU consistently has, such as... We actually touched on this in our Avengers. uh, Such as the music being bland and similar. Yes. Them using the same fucking Avengers theme all the time. Mm -hmm. The way that they kind of try to make the connection seems a little shoehorned and forced at times. Yeah, yeah. And the big one was, most of the villains fucking suck. Yes. At this point, the only ones that had left on impression were... Loki. Loki... That's is that it. really it? That's it. Ooh, maybe like the Kingpin if the Netflix shows had started by then. Kingpin and Purple well, Man. But yeah, but we're not counting those. I guess not. But like, the, again, I'm stretching here. <laughs> as far as the movies go, like, Loki was the only memorable one that I remember at this point. I mean, anyway. Ronan the Destroyer was kind of so bad it was funny. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like, that's why, that's the only reason oh, why I remember Ronan, because he was like that fucking bad as a villain. I don't know if it was intentional I guess you could say not. Winter Soldier, but that's kind of riding a line. That's kind of riding a line. Yeah. Um, the villain in Civil War was pathetic. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, it's Zemo that Zemo is just not memorable. For me. No, he's just a pathetic villain. But either way, so 
at this point, we were all very kind of blah on, like, the villains in the MCU and stuff. And between this and Guardians 2, I'd argue. Guardians because 2 is Because Ego a great is a great fucking villain. Between this and Guardians 2, I think that the MCU really started to kind of understand that. And they started to kind of fix it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, I want to say that Michael Keaton's Vulture is, at least, is like top three MCU villains for me. Oh, uh, he's certainly top five for me. Uh, he might be top three. Yeah, he's fucking great. Like, he is so charming. He is so intimidating. He doesn't fit the... the... I repeated this already. <laughs> yeah, he's, but not, I... he's not a boring tech bro in a suit. Yeah, like, he is literally just... He is everything... Like, Michael Keaton's performance... Sorry. Michael Keaton's <laughs> performance is everything that I wanted Michael Keaton to be. Oh, yeah. Like... They really took advantage of the fact that they casted Michael Keaton and they just let him use every Michael Keatonism in the book. Like, he is so good in this movie. Yeah. It's... <laughs> they do kind of let, it, let him run wild with Michael Keatonisms. They let him run wild. Oh, yeah, but Michael Keaton's great. Who fucking cares? Let's hit the road, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a charmer. And while we're on the topic of this, I want to talk about that twist. Oh, it's it done was, so well. Even even watching it again, it's like that was clever and it was smart. So basically, okay, for those of you that haven't seen it, the five yes, movies, um, what happens is Peter is about to pick up Liz on his date, and he's been tracking down the Vulture for a while, but he mm. doesn't know who he actually is. He knows what he looks like. He does. He can't put a name to a face. Yeah, though. he can't put a name to a face. He knows what he looks like though. Mm. So when he knocks on Liz's door for homecoming. And Michael Keaton answers the door. Yeah. Peter just stands there. The music just stops. And he's like shitting bricks at this point. And the scene, the next five minutes are like the scene of him with uh, Liz's parents at their house. And then In Vulture the driving them to school. And yep. then Vulture threatening Peter. Yep. And that's some of the tensest moments in a superhero movie I think I've yep. ever seen. And I love how it takes Michael Keaton a while. Or sorry, how it takes um, Adrian a while to pick up on the fact that Peter is Spider-Man. Yes. Like, I love how that's, like, what's driving the tension of the scene is him starting to kind of piece it together based on what Liz is saying. And you can feel the gears turning in his brain. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can fucking feel it. It is so good. It is so smart. And that's a thing that, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man did and the Raimi Spider-Man movies did is that they made the villains in the comics personal and close to Peter. Mm -hmm. So to reincorporate that into the MCU, but to do it in such a clever and smart way was really refreshing. Yeah. One of the kind of central components that basically every Spider-Man rogues gallery needs to have, because if you don't have it, then it's going to fall flat, is that the villains are all kind of close to Peter in some way. Yeah. Green, that's why the Green Goblin relationship is so compelling. That's why the Venom in, in relationship is so compelling. Um, Vulture and Mysterio Rhino, those don't really have that connection, which is why they're not especially interesting in the comics all the time. No. You, have, you have to kind of work work around that. Yeah. Uh, so when you give Vulture that connection, which was not there in the comics, Liz Allen and Adrian Toomes are completely different characters. Liz Allen is a college friend of Peter's who dates Harry Osborn for a while. Mm-hmm. Adrian Toomes is base is like a scorned Oscorp employee. They, they, they could not be more different in the comics. But if you just work around that and change it so that the stakes are higher for Peter, mm-hmm. like, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. 
There are some other like in, kind of minor deviations from canon that I want to mention. They don't really affect the quality of the movie. Oh, but thank God you're here because I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ned Leeds is a completely different character in the comics. Ned. Uh, that doesn't shock me. Ned Leeds. Well, for one, he's white in the comics and a grown man. Uh, he is and not. Two, Filipino. he probably does not act the way that he does in the movie. No, he's actually a reporter. At the Daily Bugle, I believe, oh. who dates Betty Brandt, uh, which I guess that's what they were—they <laughs> kind of hinted at in the second movie. Um, but he's only important insofar that he's murdered, and he gets blamed for being—he uh, gets framed as being one of the hobgoblins. Oh, um, who are—and it's kind of—it was a kind of recurring theme for the while, like who's the hobgoblin? Um, I'm very behind on my Spider-Man comics. I, I read a lot of Batman and. You know, other shit like that. Often yeah. some graphic novels, Watchmen, yeah. pornography, you know. <laughs> the usual! That good hentai shit! <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love the Evil Dead so much. Uh, one more plug for that episode, please go listen please to it. Please listen to it. It's so good. It's so off our structure, but it's still our best one. <laughs> it's our favorite episode, I think, by far. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, if Ned Leeds in Homecoming actually bears more in common with uh, Ganky who is a character in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics who is Miles Morales' friend. Okay. And who is, like, his confidant. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, other than that, um, Shocker's in this movie for all... Who's, he's a... For all those Spider-Man... Fans of Spider-Man C-list yeah, villains. For all of, what, 15 seconds? Yeah, yeah, he's not in it for very long. It's nice to see him. He doesn't have a lot in common with this character because in his com in the comics, it's kind of a meme that Shocker sucks. Yeah, no, I I, <laughs> I know a lot about Shocker. For a while, my uh my uh laptop wallpaper was just Shocker driving the Shocker mobile. <laughs> I actually kind of like how they kind of play with that a little bit too in this movie because like Michael Keaton just kind of makes fun of him. Yeah, yeah, for exactly. calling himself the Shocker before yeah. killing him. Yeah. And on a side note, uh, if you want the Shocker portrayed in a more sympathetic light, there's a really good comic called The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Okay. Which has a lot of the D-list Spider-Man villains kind of forming a team and like kind of commiserating about how, sh how shitty they are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't know, I guess Donald Glover plays Aaron Davis, who you see more of him in Spider-Verse anyway. Okay, so in the original like 60s Spider-Man comics, uh, Peter was, yes, a nerd, and he was picked on... For that, at least that's what he was picked on for initially, but after becoming Spider-Man, most of the reason that people disliked him was not because he was a nerd, it was because he was seen as being aloof and distant, mm -hmm. because he was away doing Spider-Man shit. And also he was a bit of a nerd, so people interpreted that as him thinking he was better than that, and him being unable to keep a commitment. And uh, over the years that kind of like twisted itself into Spider-Man is picked on because he's a nerd. Which is what you see in the Raimi movies, and... I, I, I would disagree with that, but... No, I, I, I... Well, I, maybe I just need to rewatch the Raimi movies, admittedly, but... Uh, but that that was the general theme, was that if you told Spider-Man's origin, he's picked on because he's a nerd. Yeah, that's One could debate... I don't think that's super compelling in the first place, but it's, like, less... It would be less compelling nowadays, just because nobody is really picked on for being a nerd anymore. No, not really. <laughs> if anything, the nerds are the, one bully, the ones bullying everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Why don't Brie Larson date me? Why can't they remake The Last Jedi and Game of Thrones Season 8 and Terminator Genesis and the Chips movie? But without women? Is that where you were going? Yes! That's where I was going! That's why... <laughs> why Why would they make an Evil Dead movie with women? Exactly. What the fuck is this? Why the fuck is there a girl Ash? You know, Ash never had a fucking... <laughs>
Jesus. Um, <laughs> Peter uh, is kind of... He's not straight up disliked in this movie by anybody except probably Flash. And Flash, Flash is just kind of... One-note dickhead. Mean one-note dickhead who's kind of on a power trip and it's hinted that he's insecure because he has rich parents who don't love him. What they do kind of think he's a loser for is not so much being a nerd because it's a science school. Everybody there's a fucking nerd. Yeah. Uh, it's because he can't keep commitments. Mm-hmm. And he, he so he's seen as kind of aloof and fl- flaky and above it all. That's his the crux of his entire relationship with Liz. Yeah. Is that she likes him and he, he does like her. But he, Spider-Man keeps getting in the fucking way. Mm-hmm. And other movies have done that in, or at least that dynamic in uh, different ways, but I like the way this movie did it too. Yeah, of course. Uh, one minor, minor note I wanted to note is the music, which, you know, it's, it's fucking MCU music, it's fine. I like the the fact that the at the Marvel opening credits, they brought yeah. back the 60s Spider-Man theme. I was going to say, like, no matter how, like, that's, I think that's the one thing, because they do it in the Raimi movies too. I think that's just the one... Uh, I love how they keep bringing that fucking song back. Going into this movie, I was like, oh, fuck, what if Chris is right? What if this movie is trash and I'm just blinded? And then I go in and, like, the 60s music plays, like, fuck yeah, this is the greatest movie ever made. Chris is full of shit. And then I texted you later going, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> I actually kind of... I actually really like this movie. Yeah, and uh, just a quick note. Can... When people say, like... We need a Ramon song in this movie. Can it please stop being Blitzkrieg Bob? <laughs> Can you guys please take notes from Richard Linklater and put in something like My Brain is Turning Upside Down or like fucking anything else? Yeah. Um, How about the KKK took my baby away? Oh, I love that song! <laughs> Actually, oh god, yeah, we used to listen to that one all the time when we were in fucking school. Yeah. Junior high was a great time. It was. <laughs> uh, I, like, a little teenage lobotomy, fucking pick, even pick one of the ones that isn't horribly offensive and outdated for its time, for yeah, its time now. why not? Rockaway Beach? Rockaway Beach! Yeah! That's perfect! That's perfect! <laughs> that would have been great for uh, Far From Home. Yeah, definitely. Fuck yeah. Um, um, anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, that was, that was my point. Do you, do you recommend Spider-Man Homecoming? Oh yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you're probably gonna love it. Yeah. If you're an MCU fan, you're definitely gonna love it. If you're not into superhero movies, I would probably suggest against it because there's not probably nothing here for you but uh unless you're really into like teen comedy stuff but yeah i definitely recommend it it's my second favorite spider-man movie i can come back to it pretty much any day and feel happy that i did so um i'm gonna strongly recommend it as well i think it's really charming i think it's really funny um i think that it's a very smart and grounded movie actually for the mcu which is really surprising Mm -hmm. because sometimes these movies get really stupid Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Michael Keaton's great. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland's great. I wish they did more with the side characters, like I said. I think that's my biggest complaint with the movie, is that a lot of the side characters are just boring and uninteresting and have really nothing going for them besides that they exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, get ready, kids, because we're going to talk about the sequel! Right after this message from our sponsors. Did you forget about the sponsors? Look... I showed ATV Financial my. Well, I mean that was that was the last in a long list of mistakes we made with it. We made with ATV Financial. You're right. My is very long. Jesus fucking. Hi, welcome back to the show. I hope you liked our sponsor. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, support anyway. Support us on Patreon. Spider Man Far From Home. Give me that. 
That's a movie. Chris, that's a movie. Give me that laptop. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Speederman, Far From Home, is a 2000... Should I keep this up? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Shut up. (laughs) Jesus. And Tom Holland. I don't know why, but bad Scandinavian accents just get me riled up. Considering I am Scandinavian... Is Finland considered part? I think, I it, think it so, sometimes yeah. is, but like For the because most the, part the is, language yeah. has like nothing to do with the other no, Scandinavian it languages. Doesn't. It's got more in common with the Baltic ones. Yeah. So yes, geographically, Scandinavia, language-wise, not no. at all. Anyway, you all learned something about Germanic languages and Scandinavian geography all uh, today. So cool. You don't say you don't learn anything on this podcast. Fantastic. Spider-Man: Far From Home came out yesterday, and well, yesterday as of recording this. Yes. <laughs> And so, obviously, it's a 2017 film. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just completely mislead and date this episode. (laughs) It's 2019. It came out out in 2019. (laughs) And it was directed by your boy John Watts. Once again. Once again. It was written by two people this time instead of six. Mm -hmm. I think they brought back the guys who rewrote the most recent draft. Yeah, Chris McKenna and Eric Somers. Yes. And Eric Midsommers. Ah, you're seeing that on Friday. I am. Let me know how it is. I am so fucking excited. <laughs> um, and, of course, it stars Tom Holland, uh, Kobe Smulders, John Favreau, J.B. Smoove, uh, Jacob Badalon is back, Martin Starr, Marissa Tomei, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson, and, of course, Zendaya reprising her role as Michi. <laughs> Watch some viral videos, guys. <laughs> It follows Peter Parker and his friends as they go on a science trip. It's to a Europe miscellaneous European school trip. I don't know. Yeah, I took. I took. They, one. they they claim that it was a science trip, but they're not doing anything scientific there besides, it's, I guess, mating. That's it, a biology thing. <laughs> I guess. Uh, it looks it looks a lot more like my junior high trip to France, where we literally just dicked around the whole time, and it was supposedly like a culture trip. Like we, we, I mean, we no, did. You don't fucking do anything. We on did these absorb culture, just maybe not the culture they expected us to absorb. <laughs> like, okay, just a quick side note, but when you pull up on a junior high in France, and like eighty percent of the kids are out in front smoking cigarettes, it's like these are these kids are like what thirteen, fourteen. It's like that's culture for you. Were, were your classmates just smoking darts while they were there? No, we didn't. We didn't smoke cigarettes or anything. We just kind of stared open mouthed as they. Did. <laughs> Don't you know that's bad for you? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Oh, sorry, that was my Canadian French accent. It was bad either way. (laughs) Um, That was about as bad as that time when Steve Martin played Inspector Clouseau. That was pretty bad. That was awful. Yeah. Sorry, those two times. Mm. Anyway, so this is the 23rd film in the MCU, and I don't know if this is the start of Phase 4 or the end of Phase 3. Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Anyway, so while they are in Italy, some shit goes down in Mexico with Nick Fury and Maria Hill, and they meet um, Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, and Spider-Man has to team up with them in order to save the world from the elementals that are causing havoc and chaos upon europe yep so what did you think of the movie oh uh, i really liked it okay um i didn't like it as much as homecoming i think if we were to go back to my uh objectively correct spider-man rankings i think it would probably be <laughs> you fucking arrogant dickhead <laughs> i ought to just fucking shoot you 
I am the arbiter of all things Spider-Man! Look at the rabbits, Lenny. <laughs> Look at the rabbits! If we were, if I were to rank the movies again, I would probably say it's my fourth favorite Spider-Man movie after Spider-Verse Homecoming and uh, Spider-Man 2. I do like it, and the more I think about it, the more I like it, but I do have more problems with it. Generally, it kept my attention the whole time. I like the villain. Uh, I just like what it does with Peter's character and the themes it explores. Um, I dislike other things about it, but we can get to that. Chris, what did you think about Far From Home? Uh, this is my fifth favorite Spider-Man movie, maybe, but gotta go through all the others again to make sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is all pending. This, this is pending, yeah. This torturous fucking month <laughs> of, spi of nothing but Spider-Man shit, so. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider four more weeks of fucking Spider-Man. Kill me. Are we gonna Kill blow me. our fucking brains out? Yes. Probably, cause we're dumb. I await it. I awaited gripping anticipation when I watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Stefan, I thought, yeah, I, I, I like this movie quite a bit less than Homecoming, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched this before I rewatched Homecoming. So Third when eye. I, so when I walked out of the theater and I went, wow, I feel the exact same way I did about Homecoming when I saw it for the first time. I was really scared to rewatch Homecoming. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, this is gonna be a fucking nightmare." But rewatching Homecoming, I went, "Okay, well, you know, it's it's still fine." Yeah, I still think the movie is just completely fine. I don't think it's great. I don't even think it's really good. I just think it's good enough. I think that a lot of the problems I had with the first one are more apparent here. One thought I just had is that. Uh... The environment doesn't really play as much of a role in this no. case because in the first movie, that's a that's a Queens movie. Uh, it it couldn't it couldn't work without the environment of Queens. No. Uh, aside from the little dalliances they have in in DC. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this movie, you have what should be pretty interesting scenarios. They they're in uh, Venice, Austria, Prague, uh, wherever the fuck, London. and London. But the only time that like the environment really plays a role other than the general fact that they're supposed to be on vacation is uh when they name mysterio because mysterio is the italian word for mystery yeah uh and i don't know like it it doesn't bother me too much because like it makes for some good imagery sometimes i like looking at old european cities yeah but uh there's not as much of a connection as there was to Queens. No, and I think that's an issue. And also, because you had mentioned to me before I went and saw it, because you saw it before I did, Yeah. Um, that the first half of this movie feels more like a slice-of-life thing. Yes. And I think a lot of Homecoming feels like a bit of a slice-of-life thing, too. Also true. But I think that Homecoming does the slice-of-life thing a lot better than this movie does. I think what Homecoming does really well is that, yeah, like a lot of those side characters, like I said earlier are very one-note and boring, but they don't take up a lot of the film. But now they do, and they don't really go anywhere with a lot of these characters. Like, they do a little bit more with MJ, but not enough. Uh, they do very, very little with Flash, but nowhere close to enough. Mm -hmm. Like, they do a lot with Happy, though. That was, that was actually one character I forgot to mention, because he actually does have a little bit of an arc in Homecoming, but I guess it's a appropriate to talk about him here because he actually does grow a lot as a character here yeah um also i forgot to mention this but i will bring it up in the description and everything 
There's going to be a shitload of spoilers for Endgame. Shitload of spoilers. So if you haven't watched Endgame yet, you might want to turn around now. Spoilers for Endgame and spoilers for Far From Home. Yeah, and huge spoilers for Far From Home as well, obviously. So, yeah. Uh, if, if, if Just in case you don't skip the way to the end, I recommend this movie, Chris... Uh, soft recommendation. Okay, cool. We're good to go. Great. Alright, so a couple seconds and then I will finally say it. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark's death... Yeah. Um, has a huge impact on this movie, and I think mm. they did an amazing job with that. Yeah, I think the the strongest part of this movie is the thematic core. Yes, the strongest part of this movie is watching Peter cope with Tony's death, as well as what's going to happen to him after that. Yeah. It also ties into the fact that these movies, um, without once saying the words, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Yeah. They convey that theme. Yes. 100%. Very well. Like, because the, all these movies are about what the responsibility of being a Spooderman entails. Yes. And, like, what... The the toll that is taking on Peter's personal life. Mm-hmm. And what he should be sacrificing and shouldn't be sacrificing in order to to truly help everybody that he feels he has a responsibility to be helping. Oh, yeah. And this movie does an amazing job with that. Yeah. Um, much like... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 before. Back to the point about the slice of life thing, and I'll, I'll get to the supporting characters in just a quick second, but uh, I kind of disagree with you on that. I think the slice of life stuff was mostly like pretty well handled. I, I don't really feel it dragged because I could lo- I love it when like extraordinary people just do regular shit. I love I love like that's that's like crack to me. I'll watch that for days well, on end. I, I sometimes if I'm watching like a long like show in anime or something, I just want one episode where they're just like having a picnic the whole time or something. Well, I mean, I I like that too, but the problem is that the people around Peter aren't that interesting. Uh, yes. Uh, so watching him do those ordinary things feels like more of a drag. And the other problem is that Ned is barely with him. Also true. Because but, Ned basically gets taken away by this C-plot that goes... It was kind of funny. It had but funny moments. It had funny moments, but I feel like it didn't need to be there. Yeah. I I also feel like this movie is about 10 or 15 minutes too long. Yeah. I, the slice of life points are not the strongest part of the movie, but... No, God, no. I, I generally like them. You are right in the sense that uh, most of the characters in them aren't quite developed enough. Uh, I think MJ is actually pretty... I had a better idea of who she was as a character by the end of this movie than I did at the end of Homecoming. Cause I think, although I think that is mostly just because Zendaya has, is a pretty good actress. Betty Brant, who appeared in the first episode, uh, she's actually... Um, the first episode? Uh, first movie. She's actually She also actually plays uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter in The Nice Guys. And she's fucking great in that she's movie, She's great in it. Uh, too bad they waste her in here. They kind of waste waste... Uh, what the hell is the guy's name who plays Flash in this movie again? Tony Revolori. Yeah, he, uh, they yeah, also, they waste him too. Yeah, Jesus they, they kind of waste Angori, I think is her name, Angori Rice. Rice. Angori Rice and Tony Revolori, which is too bad because Angori Rice has like really good comedic timing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, like, she does. Not only nice, the nice guys, not only nice guys, but in like in Homecoming and at the very beginning of this one, there's like these like news reports that she does because yeah. she's like a reporter, uh, where which are mostly these like really shitty. Like Tim and Eric style, Tim and Eric style PowerPoints that are just so awkward, and uh, those are just, like some of my favorite parts of either movie. But as a character, she's not there. <laughs> she's one note. She's one. She's note. very very one note. But that's... And it's not like Betty Brant was that interesting in most other iterations. Oh yeah, because 
she, uh, the only ones that I can remember is like aside from the comics, like in the '60s cartoon, she was Peter's main love interest. Yeah. In uh, the Raimi trilogy, she was she was Elizabeth Banks essentially. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, J. Jonah Jameson's secretary. Uh, and uh, yeah, but she was just basically Elizabeth Banks sitting there collecting a check. Oh no, no, no! I, you're you're totally right. <laughs> I was just talking about role and this, like, yeah, it makes sense. She's a school reporter because that she's kind of a reporter. Yeah. Um, but that's about as much development as you get with her, other than like her little interplay with Jacob Battleon, which is funny. It's just I yeah. don't really. It's not that it's it's disappointing that she gets wasted and Tony Revolori gets wasted because like he shows his comedic chops in Grand Budapest like flawlessly. He is so good in that movie mm-hmm. and. And Gory Rice is so fucking good in The Nice Guys. And it's just so disappointing to watch both of them just kind of get shafted. Yeah. They do kind of hint at maybe some things to come for Flash, though. Cause a little they're, bit. They're, they're, it looks like they're kind of taking the character in a different direction. Where uh, it looks like he's uh, from a rich family that is, and he's very obviously being neglected by his parents. Mm-hmm. Kind of the Harry Osborn route, almost. Um, but in the comics, that's not the case. He's from a more working class family and he gets like abused by his father who's an alcoholic. So he oh. gradually becomes an alcoholic, but he also becomes friends with Peter and then he loses legs in the war and then he becomes Agent Venom. And Flash in the comics is a really good character. Um, Obviously, yeah. None of, <laughs> none of that is apparent in the movie. Yeah, in the movie he's one note dickhead. He has a little bit of characterization they give you, but it's not he's really He's one enough. note dickhead. But it's not enough um, in the movie to like make Betty, him that appeal. And then Betty is one note love interest. Yeah. I kind of feel that way about MJ as well in this. And I think Zendaya is wonderful in this movie. Yeah, she's great. Like she, I think she is... A huge part of the reason why I don't completely hate the character yet, because I think that she's really underwritten, mm-hmm. and I think that Zendaya does a wonderful job at taking what little she has and making it work. She's she's got great comedic timing. She's too. got great comedic time, and she's very good at being awkward. For and, somebody who's like, if you if you've seen an interview with her, she's or just kind of her public persona, she's like very kind of outgoing. At least from yeah. what I've seen, she's very good at reining that in for this for, oh, for this role. Um, I, I think the biggest problem is that. And this is, and any issues I have with the characters are 100% with the writing. Yeah. I think performance-wise, everyone's pretty good in this yeah. movie. The biggest issue with the writing is that all of the side characters are just kind of there. It's like, here's this person who has one note, this personality or caricature, and they're quippy. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I just, I find it, I'm sick and tired of it. I just want them to actually develop some of these side characters a little bit more. I Obviously, they're going to do more with MJ later on. And I'm looking forward to that. I hope they do more with Flash Thompson, but I don't know. I think this is the last we're going to see about Betty Brand. I think that, this is the last we're going to see about Betty. makes me very sad because oh, yeah. Angori Rice is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Jake Gyllenhaal because he is great. Yeah. As always. That was... He was wonderful. That was so surprising to me when they announced him. Like, holy shit, he's going to be in an MCU movie? Yeah. And holy shit, he's going to be Mysterio? Because Mysterio is like... That's like not the first villain i think of when you think of what how did how to further develop peter parker's story mysterio <laughs> yeah like i love how they're kind of taking these lesser known ish spider-man villains and i should have learned my lesson because vulture is kind of in that same exactly too. <laughs> but i love how they're taking these villains and making them like defining them really well in the movies yeah. and making them work really well in the mcu uh, yeah, and i love it because mysterio is like one of my favorite kind of b villains mm-hmm. but he uh, he's so good. Like, okay, so you, if you go... Going into the movie, Mysterio originally appears to be, like, a hero. 
Unless yeah. unless you're going in already knowing anything about Spider-Man, in which case you know he's the villain. Yeah. And you know that his gimmick is that he is an illusionist. Yeah, because he's a special effects artist in the comics. In right? the comics, he's a special effects movie artist. Yeah. And that's why he's able to enact that. Which... Hey, I know something about the comics. You yeah. know. There you go. In this, they change it up a bit and tie it into Tony Stark, which, yeah, which makes, makes sense. sense. He's kind of this tech bro who created the whole uh, kind of alternate AR system yeah. that uh, Tony Stark showed off in Civil War. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, and, it was Civil uh, War. During his MIT presentation. And uh, he felt slighted because he took his technology, I guess, in a direction he didn't want. So he decided, okay, well, now that he's dead... He's going to be- become the world's greatest hero. <laughs> I and j- if, basically as a way to spite Tony. <laughs> if if there's one issue I kind of have with his uh, characterization in this, and it's more of an issue I'm starting to have with Marvel right now, I'm I'm getting really tired of them tying all of their villains or a lot of their villains, sorry, mm-hmm. into some sort of personal beef with Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 it happened with Vulture. I know it happened with someone else, and I can't remember who it was now. Jesus Christ, if I had the list of movies in my hand, I would actually be able to be like, yeah, it happened with this one, too. We don't care enough to look it up. Who cares? (laughs) I know it's happened with other villains besides the Vulture and Mysterio, and I'm I'm just getting really sick and tired of it now. I was kind of worried with Mysterio, like, for the first half of his appearances, I guess, because it was like... Because Mysterio's playing, oh, I'm generic hero guy from another world, and I'm here to save this world before I can destroy yours like it did mine. Yeah. He's like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's good in this, and I know the turn is coming, but I hope this isn't his personality, <laughs> because that would be kind of disappointing. And then the turn happens in this really great scene in a bar, oh, where yeah. he talks to Peter, and he like kind of sort of coerces him into giving the glasses that Tony left him, Yeah, which have like are like the key to a lot of power essentially yeah like tech power i don't know it makes sense in the movie uh, and then ev- the illusion comes down mm-hmm. and you start to see what his like actual power is yeah and he his personality does a complete 180 <laughs> where he's just this snarky arrogant tech bro dickhead who is much who even if like the occupations are completely different is much more like quentin beck in the comics yeah He's so much fun to watch after that. Oh, yeah, he's... Like, because well, Jake Gyllenhaal's just so good at playing horrible people. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Case in Point, Nightcrawler, um, I guess, to an extent, Donnie Darko. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got those crazy eyes. Oh, my fucking God, is he ever. He's a he's a beautiful human being. Oh, but he is, but those, he's, he's very those charming. Eyes, he's very charming, but those eyes... They, they, they do every night yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Canada yeah. Day was last week, and we didn't even bother... Well, last week, a couple days ago. A few days ago, And we yeah. never bothered to acknowledge the fact that we recorded the Evil Dead episode on Canada Day. Oh, yeah! Yeah, we did. Go listen to that episode. Shows how patriotic we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie. I just found, you know, some of his character development to be a little, you know, repetitive and bland. I think it works more for Jake Gyllenhaal than it does for others that I can't remember right now because we both are over these movies. Yeah, we but... both don't care enough, but at least, like, for sure with... It's it's at least for sure repetitive with Vulture and watching, you know, both of these movies have vil- villains with similar backstories in the same sort of subset of this fran- subsection of this franchise feels really frustrating and I don't really like that at all. Yeah. And it just feels like they're 
running out of motivations. <laughs> if they it's repeat, lazy. If they repeat it in the third Spider-Man movie, we'll know it's laziness. Yeah, we'll know it's straight up laziness. But they do. one thing I like, I love actually, this is like maybe my favorite part of the movie, mm-hmm. is uh, the aesthetics around Mysterio and his illusions. Yes. Because he looks great. Like, again, very hard Silver Age comic to replicate. Green jumpsuit, purple ass cape, fishbowl. Fish <laughs> that's that's Mysterio's design, and th- it's to the point where he's it's become a joke. Like Spider in the comic, Spider Man just calls him fishbowl. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, and they, they they do different things to make him more uh, intimidating. But like you always have that kind of strange looking costume, and in this, like yeah, you still have the fishbowl head, but it almost looks kind of off putting and creepy. And it does look cool though. Yeah, it looks really cool, and is it's more armory his costume. Which is not usually a trope I like, but it works for this. Yeah. Uh, and his cape is still purple, but it has, like, eyes on it. And he has, like, kind of, like, a third eye motif going. Yeah. Where he's, like, energy blaster, like, uh, Illuminati symbols almost. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, what the fuck is his name from Gravity Falls? Ben C- uh, Bill Cipher, yeah. <laughs> almost. Uh, and, uh, obviously, but, and you know this if you go in knowing anything about Mysterio. Mysterio's gimmick is that he's a master of illusions. He doesn't actually have any powers. Yeah. Um, his first appearance in the comics is him pretending to be a superhero so he can unseat Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, while simultaneously, like, being a mustache-twirling villain. Yeah. Um, and in this, he has these illusions that, uh, they're purported to be kind of like the elementals from the comics, but they're actually just illusions created by Mysterio's drones and VR, and, like, AR machines. Yeah. And then when he actually turns his attention to Peter specifically and starts assaulting him, like, usually by, he creates entire environments. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, they just sometimes devolve into surreal mind trips that if you've played uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, the video game, they feel like the Scarecrow levels. Yeah. Uh, and they're so fucking good. Like, me and my brother, like, turn to each other in the movie theater is like, this is what we wanted from Mysterio. Oh, yeah, no, it was really surreal. It was really haunting. It was really creepy. This is what I wanted from Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Yeah. Was surreal, fucked up, creepy, crazy bullshit. And I loved every second of it. I ate that shit up like candy. Oh, it was so like, good. It's, it's really nice to see an MCU movie have a visual style that's not called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's... Oh my, that, like, that made the movie mm-hmm. for me. Like, if, if it doesn't have that, I'm, I'm much more middle of the road. But Jake Gyllenhaal and these scenes in particular. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they're so well, good. Jake Gyllenhaal, those scenes specifically, and um, Peter's character arc in this are all terrific. Mm-hmm. It's just that everything else around the movie is really substandard and boring. I'm surprised that they've gone this far into the new Spider-Man series this far without dipping into the well of the Osbournes. I'm happy they haven't. I'm yet, glad actually. because they, they've made it work. Yeah, they made not, it work. I'm not complaining at all. Honestly, they don't have to. They they don't have to. Uh, I can't. Part of me kind of hopes they do, just because the Osborne relationship is such a kind of twisted one when done right. Yeah, and kind of a good mirror to Peter. Um, but at the rate they're going, yeah, they don't really have to. No, uh, they could probably get away with it, just like how we can get away with not doing fucking superhero franchises all the time. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Still not doing Iron Man. Fuck uh, no. <laughs> apparently, like the the bot the shield bodyguard, like Dimitri. Yeah, that's supposed to be a reference to the chameleon, but uh, because uh, the chameleon's name is also Dimitri. But um, really, the only similarity they if have that is... was if that was their intention, then I mean, 
I think I think it's one of those Nobody would fucking know. I think this is one of those things where they like kind of quasi It's kind of like the, what they did with Scorpion in the well no, that was closer in the in Homecoming, but in the first one, they have a character named Matt Gargan who's yeah. the Scorpion. Yeah. Uh and he uh kind of fits into the ultimate conception of that character as kind of like a Mexican cartel leader. Yeah. Uh and they they've established him just enough that they could either use him in a larger scale or not. And with this like Really, the only similarity that this character has with the chameleon is that they're both called Dimitri and they're both Eastern European. Yeah, that's really it. So, I, I mean, guess they could make a thing where, like, oh, but he was actually disguised as this guy. But, like, whatever. I the only I think the only way I would super care about seeing chameleon is if he was, like, a B-villain to a Craven the Hunter movie, which yeah. would be kind of cool. Anyway, so, Stefan, would you recommend Spider-Man Far From Home? Happy Hogan's fucking Aunt May. Um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would. If you're a fan of the first movie and you're a fan of Spider-Man, you're probably going to like it. It's not as good as Homecoming. Like I said, it's like my fourth favorite movie. Um, Depending on how I feel about the first Raimi movie, when we rewatch it, it might, it might slot under that even. But it's got good moments. There's some good good jokes. You get, you get a lot of char- good character development for Peter. The best part of the movie, I think, is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh, and he's great. And the Mysterio scenes are incredible. And... Uh, there's some good continuity with Peter's relationship with Tony and how that ties into the great Spider-Man theme of with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Um, it's got problems and I've talked about them, but overall, yes, I would recommend it. You're not going to ask me. Okay. So I'll just Chris, <laughs> Chris, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. No, you're not. Anyway, I'm not I would, sorry. I would mildly recommend this movie. Yeah. I'm mostly on the, it's just fine train with this. Like, I'm a little disappointed with it because I wish they did a little more with the characters. I love Jake Gyllenhaal in this. I think everything they did with Mysterio was great. Everything they did with Peter was great. Um, it still really bums me out that like they spent so much time with these people and yet I feel like I got absolutely nothing out of those side characters whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they fix that in any future films, mm-hmm. which I'm sure there will be more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, ultimately, I would recommend this. And stay for the mid credit scene. Stay for the mid credit scene! It's so Please fucking God. good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> like, if you've seen it, we know what we're yeah. t- you know what we're talking about. Yeah. We've said the spoiler warning, and I don't feel, co- I don't feel comfortable, like, spoiling no, it. No, I don't feel comfortable spoiling it either. Because... But they did... S- oh, it was so me, good. Even if you don't care about spoilers, just please... Just do it. Just do it. It's so worth it for, like, five seconds... Five beautiful seconds. Oh, ten glorious seconds in heaven. Yes. Might be the best part of the movie. Oh, actually, yeah. I I think that might top the Mysterio scenes. That that was actually the most (laughs) genuinely unpredictable moment of the film. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I was shocked. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) Like, what what was your thought process? Because mine was like, um... So my thought process was like, they show show a thing. They, They show a reveal, which is intriguing. Then they show another thing, which piques my interest. Then they show another thing, and I lose my fucking shit. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like, it was like, oh, that's really cool, actually. I kind of want to go see where the, I kind of want to go see the third one when it comes out now, even though I have zero interest in the MCU at this point, same, besides same. Guardians 3 and this. <laughs> and then the other thing happened, and I just kind of looked and went, oh, and I kind of started clapping, and I went, oh my god, I'm clapping! Yeah. Ah! Yeah, my theater lost its shit. Oh, yeah, we lost our shit. It was great. <laughs> yeah. But everyone started clapping with me. I'm like, I don't feel like an idiot anymore. <laughs> it was so 
<laughs> okay. But beyond that, mild recommendation from me, it's fine. But I don't think it's anything special, and I think it's... Yeah, whatever. We've kind of talked about this so i'm not going to belabor it too much but like where do you th- where do you see mcu spider-man going um well obviously there's gonna be another one. Oh, there will be i i think honestly if they actually do more with side characters and stuff i think it'll get even better from there yeah i mean i do want the slice of life shit to be more interesting the problem is, is that they're just not allowing it to be mm-hmm. um and hopefully then you know that section of the film better i would love to see more with zendaya's mj or mm-hmm. michi yeah. And <laughs> and I can't wait to see what else they kind of do with Peter. Um but I'm I'm not going to be like racing out to go see it at this point I don't think. Mm-hmm. I might just go depending on what the movie's about. If they just drop the whole Mysterio thing, I might not even bother. But I hope that they keep going with that. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. I'm uh like I th- I think I mentioned in the Avengers like um in the Avengers episodes, but the only MCU movies that I'm, like, super invested in at this point are Spider-Man and Guardians. Yeah. Everything else, like... If they announce a Moon Knight thing, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. But um, as of right now, there's not enough A, material, and B, compelling stuff to keep me keep me hooked. Yeah, because right now, like, all they have is just shit where I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. Like... Most of it will probably be fine, but I'm only really in it for Guardians and Spider-Man. Yeah, like, most of it I'm going to wait for Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. but Marvel, or sorry, not Marvel, uh, Guardians and Spider-Man I think I'm, like, excited for. Yeah. That said, um, they're, they're definitely going to do a third Spider-Man. I'm uh, very down with it. I think yep. this is a pretty good time to be a Spider-Man movie fan, what with oh what Marvel's doing God, and what, yeah. and what so- with what Sony's doing. Yeah, I'd even say with the game, too. But... The game, too, which just... Eliminated. Oh yeah, I've played it. Um, you played the whole thing or just a little bit? I've played a little bit. I watched a walkthrough for most of it because I can't. I don't have a PS4, mm. so and I'm not gonna buy a PS4. So it's this is the only way to get the story, and the story's fucking great. Oh, it's so good. It's the best Doc Ock story, I think. Oh my god, yeah. Um, good time to be a Spider-Man fan. Uh, I think Marvel is like actually maybe not getting enough credit with regards to Spider-Man about how, like, much of a different route they're taking. Not in terms of, like, themes, but in terms of, like, actual story direction. Mm-hmm. Like, because they've just completely subverted canon a lot of the time. They've, yeah. uh... Mary Jane Watson is not even a fucking thing. <laughs> no. Mo- essentially, because MJ's there, but she's a completely different character. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Which is good, because I don't need the Kristen Dunst dynamic again. So I am down to see where they go. I wonder if they're if next movie is going to be the one that where they do bring in the Osbournes, if they're going to do that at all. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm pretty I'm pretty intrigued. You know what? You know what I'd love to see the MCU do? What? Do a film adaptation of One More Day. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. What? One second. Are they actually doing it? Trust me on this. Just wait. <laughs> Before we end this recording, and I fucking bury your body in a ditch for even suggesting that one more day even be brought up. <laughs> what if they made a movie based on Spider-Man Rain? Do you know what Spider-Man Rain is? Please enlighten me. <laughs> Spider-Man Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Is, oh, no. I think the idea was they wanted to do, like, the Dark Knight Returns of Spider-Man. Why? I don't know. Uh, but, so, 
obviously they need a dark, gritty future. Because superheroes are only interesting when there's a dark, gritty future. And that's definitely only worked for the Logan movie and nothing else. Fight me, Dark Knight Returns is bad. Uh, but Well, I guess Avengers Endgame, dark, gritty future. Oh, I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Stefan! Stefan Salahio, SJW cock owned! <laughs> but With facts and logic, <laughs> Ben Shapiro style. With the little sprinkle of Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> I hate the internet. So, Spider-Man is no longer married to Mary Jane Watson. Oh, I've heard of this, actually. Because Mary Jane Watson is dead. Oh, no, I... Because Spider-Man killed her. Oh, no, I've, with, I've heard of this. I've heard of with this. With his radioactive jizz. <laughs> because his DNA is radioactive. <laughs> and after enough years of just... Going at oh it like a God. bunch of rambunctious rascals. I completely forgot this thing existed. She dies of radiation poisoning. No, I remember. I've heard of this. I fucking heard of this, and it's. Oh God. It is I mean, one more day is bad. Oh Don't no, it get is me atrocious. Wrong. It's awful. Spider-Man Reign might be worse. If well, mm. almost as bad. Certainly, I... possibly, possibly oh, worse. Sweet baby Jesus. Oh god, imagine watching Zendaya die of radiation jizz poisoning. Go watch her new show in Euphoria on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Is that supposed to be any good? I've heard it's pretty good. I've heard it's super explicit, oh. but I've heard it's pretty good. Well, she's talented. I'm sure it's good. Um, but Zendaya's Michi in Euphoria. <laughs> With a where there's a scene where you see thirty penises. John Waters, come on, go up, go, come on, go up the ante. Get thirty-one penises in a single frame. <laughs> Do it, coward. <laughs> okay, well, I've had enough. I'm sure there'll be more time for nerding out about Spider about Spider-Man comic stuff later. Maybe. Um, do you have any rec um recommendations? I guess we could bring that up at the end of the month. We could do that. Uh, I quick note, like. We'll bring up comic recommendations at the end of the month, but uh, another cool thing about these movies is that neither of them like have like a comic counterpart. Like they both, no. neither of them. Are, you can't say, "Oh, well, that took elements from this and this and this," except at the most base levels. Yeah, uh, they're both kind of stories created from the ground up, which I think is really cool, especially for a superhero movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, I've said what I need to say. Great, I'm I'm done. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you for joining us this week again. Um, cool. Bye. Yeah. What? No, no, we need the money. Patreon. Follow us on Patreon. Oh shit, right, right. And right, and right, Twitter right. And, and Facebook. And Snapchat. And, and Snapchat. Follow our private Snapchat and you'll get to see our <laughs> Yeah, so you you'll get to see that. Yeah. Stefan, do you think that's too much? I think it's just enough, Chris. Good. Okay. It, it, it's it's gonna be really cool when they see it. Mm hmm On Snapchat, like that's that's great. And like a little bit of the like, mmm, chef's kiss. Delicioso. You disgust me. It's yours, dude. How can it disgust you? I don't like to be reminded of the existence of my own. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>